This podcast is brought to you by Two More Reps Coffee Beans. Get your two more reps with this natural pre-workout. Buy your bag at twomorereps.com.au. And welcome to another edition of the Paul's Body Engineering Podcast. Today, I bring this podcast to you live from Bangalore, India. We are very fortunate to be involved in the delivery of a couple of ICN India shows, one in Bangalore and then in two weeks' time, one in Delhi. Uh, later this year, we are off to Mumbai and back to Goa. So very exciting times to be involved in that, and we can't thank ICN India and Jay Acharya enough for um, his invitation to participate in this. But I thought while I was here, I'd bring my podcasting gear over because I thought it'd be a great opportunity to chat to some of the heavyweights in this space. Um, and the first bloke I'm going to have a chat to is Joey Canlan, who is a very successful bodybuilding coach and personal trainer. So on this podcast, we sit down with Joey and chat all things contest prep, uh, his success over a number of years. He has delivered world titles, pro card status to, oh, I don't even know how many athletes, but there's been plenty of them and, and his success just continues to grow. So without further ado, let's have a chat with Joey and get on with it. All right, we are sitting here in Bangalore, India, and we thought we'd do a bit of an impromptu podcast with uh, Mr. Joey Candlin. How you going, mate? Good, mate. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> pleasure, mate. Pleasure. So we're having a good time over here, obviously. Uh, there's a bit of work to be done, and uh, we're one day out from ICN Bangalore, first of its kind in this city, so it's pretty exciting, hey? Very exciting. Yeah. Good opportunity, too. Like, I, I said to Monty coming over, like, we, I don't think we would have penciled India in as maybe a top five, top ten on the hit list of places to travel. I know you're big on the States and, mm-hmm. and places like that. So Yeah, I, I mean, I'm much the same. I, I never saw myself actually ever going to India. I'd never even considered it. Yeah. Um, not that it's, you know, not a nice place. I've realised that it, it's quite a fa- uh, fascinating place. But I never, yeah, never really thought that I'd ever come here, which is pretty exciting, let alone for work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's it. Like, what's what's your take on it so far? Like, we, we obviously went to Goa in two thousand nineteen, which is def was definitely a um, an eye opener. But this is this is a different animal here, eh? Mm, the hustle so and bustle. Different. Yeah, it's so different, and I don't think people will ever realise just how different it is until they come over here and experience it for themselves. And I think you could say the same for everywhere in the world, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, just just the way the way they live, and I guess their perspective on everything, you know, I, I guess you could say they're, you know, a little bit less fortunate than us, but yep. they seem to just not really care, and no, well, that... given the cards that they're they're dealt with, and everyone, almost everyone here, seems happy. I was about to say that they're they're such a happy culture, and I guess they don't know any different because they probably don't no. get outside their country too often unless they're very affluent, but. Um, they're happy. They're they're just content in their own space. They're you know, if we had the the type of traffic that they have on our road, man, there'd be that many fights and road rages and people in jail. It'd be out, outrageous. Although hey? we did see a fight. We did. Know? We did actually. We did see a fight, but it didn't actually come to blows. It was just a lot of Indian swearing, I guess, at each other. Yeah, they were, they were talking their own language. Um, <laughs> I, would, I would have loved to have a translator here what they were saying. Oh. The, the, the pointing fingers in the face. But, you know, <laughs> past that. It was good, but wasn't it? 
So I thought, I thought, you know, just off the cuff, you know, we've got a little bit of downtime. So I thought we'd um, we'd have a chat and 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 introduce you to to the audience that listens to to my podcast. Um, so do you want to take us back to because we were talking yesterday and you said you used to work at Allrig. So do you want to take yeah. us back to that and how you got into the health and fitness space? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I never really liked school. Um, I wasn't. I, mean, I was a relatively smart kid. Yeah. But I just didn't like the idea of school. I didn't like being spoken at by teachers. Um, found it very sort of demeaning. The conformity um, of it. Yeah, and yeah. condescending. Yep. Um, so I always acted out. I still got satisfactory grades because I was a fairly, I guess, naturally smart person. Okay. But just never really applied myself. Um, realised probably in year 10 that school wasn't really for me. So decided to leave and attend a trade college where we were basically treated like we were in the workforce. We still did school work, but yep. we were given smoko, we were given lunch breaks. <clears throat> we were instructed to call our teachers by their actual names. Oh, okay. Not Mr. Such and Such or Miss Such and Such. Yep. Um, and just how we were treated were more like employees mm. or workers as rather students. Um, and then I got a school-based apprenticeship um, in grade 11 as an electrician that lasted probably six months before I was asked to finish up school early okay. and go and work full time. Yep. So that do, that did happen with some students, didn't happen often, mm. but um, the employer that I was with, he said, I either want him full time or don't want him at all. Yeah, so well, okay. Fast track to grade 12 and got enough QCE points to graduate and then I left. Unfortunately, later that year, we had the... Uh, I can't remember what year it was, long time ago, probably 10 or 11 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, we had the Brisbane floods. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, all the companies or smaller companies lost all their work. Mm. So one of those companies was the company that I was working for, so I lost out on that. Um, and it never went back to electrical. I got asked to go and work doing passive fire protection on like um, steel structures and steel modules for gas rigs. Started with some onshore work. Um, eventually turned into like a two-on-two-off rotation, mm. um, offshore, so in the middle of the ocean, yeah. in an isolated gas rig. Um, did that for about 12 months. Um, we were on standby for a couple of months because we weren't sure if we had any work, so I decided to do my PT course. Right. I was always very fascinated about the gym or with the gym. Um, went to the gym through high school for sport and like most other young blokes, to look better. Of course. To, to get the attention of females. <laughs> most people don't want to admit it, but that's where all young lads start. It is. It's the truth. It, it is. Um, so I always had a passion for it. Started learning a lot about it as a teenager. Eventually developed, I guess, an excitement for bodybuilding. Yeah. So I used to always follow the bodybuilding back in the older days. I think they were the days of like Jay Cutler. Mm. Like early Ronnie, uh, not Ronnie, um, Phil Heath. Phil Heath, yeah. So very, very exciting time for bodybuilding. Um, and then, yeah, became a personal trainer. They asked me to actually go back to the oil rigs and I said no. Cool, so big decision, yeah. I was just starting a business. I, I had nothing. Like yeah. I obviously had some savings away, but, you know, I didn't have an established business or anything. So yep. I said, I, I'm going to bet on myself, gave it a go. Yep. Loved it. Eventually just started getting more and more clients, um, sort of getting addicted to just being in the gym all day, mm-hmm. helping others or at least just 
playing a role in other people's success was really nice, really rewarding. Yes. And then eventually just had someone ask me if I um, specialised in contest prep. And at the time, I hadn't prepped anyone. <laughs> but I was always fascinated by bodybuilding. Yep. I'd learned a hell of a lot about it because yep. I always had a, a passion for the human body as well. So whether it pertains to nutrition or training. So basically taught myself how to prep someone without actually doing it. Yep. Anyway, I said, no, but I know how to do it. Mm. So if you let me do it for, you know, a heavy discount, yep. I'll be your coach. Anyway, this this woman started doing extremely well. Another person, another girl saw that and she decided that she wanted to do a show. And this is about 10 or 12 weeks out. She's yep. already in good nick. I was like, yep, yeah, sure, let's do it. <laughs> Why not? I um, actually knew her, knew her years back from school. And um, they both did really well at their shows. Uh, One of them actually had a pretty large uh, social media following. And social media back then wasn't very popular. No. So she had eight or 9,000 followers, which is dirt today. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I don't even have 9,000 followers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so I got my name out there from there. I just... Yeah, got a break there and it just kind of snowballed from there and yeah. more people led to more success as a coach, um, you know, further educated myself through experience and courses. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, now we're here yeah. asking to be, you know, judging shows in foreign uh, countries, in a, in a foreign country <laughs> on the other side of the world, which is just, you know, I think about from where I started and where I am now, it's just, if you had told me when I was, you know, a kid who... If we had a state in Victoria where I grew up, yeah. I probably would have been a flower farmer or some sort of. I mean, I probably would have ended up being an AFL player at some sort of level. Yeah, quite okay. Handy at that, but yep. Outside of that, probably a flower farmer. There you go. If you had it told me I would be in India <laughs> judging bodybuilding competitions by the time I'm 29 years old, How I good. would have said, "What?" <laughs> so it's just bizarre to me that I'm here. I'm just yeah, very thankful, very blessed. It is a it is a pretty cool because I've known you a long time now and it's a pretty cool trajectory to see because I must admit your business model is very unique like you don't market yourself a lot you don't no. have a website correct me if I'm wrong no um, just starting to build one now actually okay cool after about ten years yeah. so like your your business has been based primarily on referrals I'm I'm assuming yeah, yeah, yeah. word of mouth I yeah. just find that it's if you get a referral from word of mouth that person's already coming to you. They've done with, their homework, haven't they? Yeah, with yeah. with something positive, so they're not coming doubting you and stuff. Whereas yes. a lot of people you get from social media, they know nothing about you. Yes. So it takes time to get to know that person, build their rapport. Um, but if you get them off referrals, those those new clients tend to be more legitimate. Yeah, absolutely. And you know your your success as a as a bodybuilding coach, and, and I think we were speaking with Scotty Piper yesterday about you. You're you're sort of now seventy percent in that space with just yeah. a, a dabble of, of lifestyle general pop stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, generally speaking, at nearly every show, you're always at the top of the podium with a, with a client <laughs> with an overall, and and most of the time it's a sports or a fitness model too. It mm -hmm. seems to have I know you you take on anybody, but it, it seems to have just you've pigeonholed without obviously trying to do it mm -hmm. those two mm -hmm. divisions in particular and had very great success yeah it's um it's pretty cool it's very cool and and like you said here we are today i guess i'm of a similar boat you know yeah absolutely you just look back and you think well geez you know how'd i get it yeah 10 years ago i was working construction 14 years of it but anyway that's that's a story for another time yeah. uh, <laughs> So I guess, you know, I wanted to pick your brain because, you know, your personality is very direct, which, I, which you know, me and Monty love. You know, you, you, you're black and white. There's no bullshit. Yeah. Um, 
you, you call a spade a spade, which is which is pretty rare in this industry. A lot of people are it off is. a bit of fluff and a bit of mm. you know hand holding and that sort of thing. When you want to do well for not only yourself but your client, particularly in the yeah. bodybuilding game, you've got to give it to them direct. If they're not pulling their weight or if they're not training hard enough and they're not following their diet plan or whatever, yeah. they need to be told. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, your, your approach to that is very evident, but it, yeah. it's obviously proving successful, isn't it? Mm. I think yeah, you you got to walk a fine line. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people in this industry, and this is probably something that we all we are all going to go through at some point. So if you're new to this industry, just getting into contest prep, you're probably going to experience this as well. Mm. And in hindsight, you look back and wish I did that better. But you got to try and balance the difference between, I guess pleasing or offending someone in the short term versus having a vision for success for them in the long term. You know, it's very easy to try and, you know, I guess tell that person that it's okay yeah, and everything's fine and it's all good. Like you made a mistake, it's fine. Let's just move on. But yeah. sometimes that kind of thing can lead to long-term failure. Yeah. Yep. Whereas you have to, you have to make the client understand that, you know, certain things like that, maybe they're not okay and maybe they need to pull their finger out. Yep. And that's coming from a place of caring. You know, you want that person to succeed long term. Yeah. Um, but like I said, in my earlier days, I had a really hard time doing that and yep. walking that fine line. Um, it's just something that you you develop over time and you've got to learn to be direct with people without being an asshole. Absolutely. Look, look yeah, at the end of the day, they appreciate <coughs> honesty and they do, you know, they pay you for your your guidance, your knowledge, your education and, and your experience. But you're right, it is a fine line because particularly yeah. when the deeper in prep they go, the more emotional they can become because their Absolutely. calories are lower, they're tired, they're fatigued. Yeah. So, you know, their response to direct commentary could be quite negative, I suppose, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, you've got to manage it well. But, mm. um, you know, have you ever had anyone that has reacted, I guess, negatively to that sort of approach and they've gone, you know, not so much fuck you, but... Um, in the short term, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you have clients say like, well, you know, you say, look, I don't, I don't think you're going to be ready for this show, mm. but that doesn't mean you're never going to be ready. Yeah. Maybe let's focus on next season. It's like, but I want to do this season. That's it, unfair. It's a hard conversation to have, isn't it? You don't believe in me. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. It's like, hey, I do, uh. but your actions don't align with, you know, your goals right now. Yes. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay for people to go through different stages. But Absolutely. People just also need to understand that sometimes if a coach tells you, man, you're not going to be ready or this isn't going to work, it doesn't mean it never will. Mm. It just means right now we need to change our priorities. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point because, you know, I guess particularly for first-timers, and again, we were talking about this just the other day, there's, there's a heightened level of uncertainty unknown apprehension they you know you don't know what you don't know and even though you can give them all the information guidance up front and tell them you know look it's going to it's going to be hard you're going to feel tired you're going to be fatigued um training is going to be you know really really hard at, at points throughout the prep it's all well and good to hear it but at the same time to experience it it's another animal isn't it yeah of course you can you can i guess verbally prepare someone for mm. The journey and like you said how hard it is and, yeah. and all the challenges that come with it but they're not going to understand those challenges until they actually experience them so That's they're still going to go oh i'm really tired oh i'm really hungry like yep fuck this fuck that this is too <laughs> hard you know what i mean it's like and you can't just say hey i told you all this at the start because you have to put yourself in their shoes yeah you know? like it it is what it is yeah absolutely we can 
All right, short interruption there, but we're back. Um, so, look, what's your like? You you obviously now have had a lot of success, um, and we just you know before we mentioned you know sports model and, and fitness model certainly mm-hmm. seem to be a very um, a very successful division that you seem to. De- develop it uh you know every season nearly Mm -hmm. what 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 do you put that down to is it a case of working with a client for a long period of time and then you go right drop the hammer let's go or it i'm assuming it's not just luck by having so many great looking (laughs) athletes (laughs) come into come in the doors at times but you know obviously you've got a great formula in place um, you know what, what's without obviously giving away your secrets because you know yeah, your, yeah. Your, your 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 models obviously different than everyone else's but yeah what what's some some tips and advice in regards to those that want to start because there's obviously and, and I'm sure you still get it people that come to you with short notice twelve weeks to go mm-hmm. I want to do a show mm-hmm. you know uh, you haven't worked with them before mm-hmm. you don't know a lot about them their history their diet or anything mm-hmm. like that I'm on twelve hundred calories come on let's go <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know what you mean yeah. and like first of all like there is I do want to say there is somewhat of an element of luck. Yep. Um, sometimes you do get people walk through the door, and, and like I'm sure you've experienced it at some point. Yeah. Every coach has, and you know, this isn't to discount, you know, what I can do as a coach or what anyone else can do as a coach. Sure. But sometimes we just get those clients that are just freaks of nature, and it doesn't matter who they would have gone to yeah. or what they do. Yeah. They're always going to look like <laughs> So I want to get that out of the way. Yeah, so we do, as coaches, get lucky sometimes. Hundred percent. Um, but I think the biggest thing is just. Um, communication and allowing, I guess, developing a relationship good enough to get you both on the same page. Because if you if you're not on the same page, yeah, and you have different ideas of what you want to do with that person, but what they want to do, and those things don't align, yeah, you're never gonna you're never gonna create long term success. Um, that person might get on stage and they might do okay, mm-hmm. flame out. Yep. Um, so you got to get on the same page. You got to make that person understand, I guess, the long-term approach and what needs to be done. Mm. And you also need to understand as a coach what that client, I guess, wants, but also needs. Yeah, okay. And you've got to try and mesh those two things together and make that person feel valid in what they want. Yep. But also teach them that whilst what you want, you know, is fine, mm. but why it can't be a reality right now. Yes. But we can make it happen. Yeah. It just, it's just going to take a little bit more time. So the biggest thing is just getting on the same page. And if you can't get on the same page, then maybe you're not the right coach for that person yeah. and that client isn't the right client for you. We were actually talking about that yesterday, weren't we? Like sometimes a client will move from one coach to another coach and have greater success just because of the person. Just a better fit. Yeah, better, better fit, better mold, better relationship. Absolutely. Um, now, you, you, you train a lot of coaches as well. Yes. You've got a lot of coaches under your wings who are contest prep coaches mm-hmm. or at least PTs. Um, how do you find that relationship? Because obviously they've got a generalized knowledge of of the sport yeah. or health and fitness in general. Mm-hmm. Do they? Do you get ever get any sort of um, questions regarding your process, your delivery of message, your strategy in regards to the end game? Uh, yes and no. I I find that sometimes coaches can be the biggest challenge when you're coaching another coach who also does contest prep. Is sometimes they might think. Oh, but I don't do this. Yeah. So we shouldn't do this. Okay. And sometimes you have to say, hey, look, I understand where you're coming from, but you hired me for a reason. Absolutely. This is, I, I think, and we're not doing this just because this is how I do it in yep. quotation marks, but yep. I think this is the best, you know, I guess, thing to do in this point of time. Yep. Um, 
So sometimes, again, it comes back to getting on that same page, but most of the clients that I have that are coaches or contest prep coaches are, are pretty good. Yeah, pretty okay. well receiving and yep. a lot of them are there just to learn. Yeah. So sometimes they do welcome those, you know, different, I guess, processes than what they typically do. Well, I was about to say, like, it, it's somewhat flattering to be approached by another coach, it is. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I've, I've got a couple of, you know, what I would consider like really, I guess, well-known coaches and great coaches. Yep. Um, and they said, yeah, I want you to prep me, no question. I'm like, man, this, it's, it's a bit of an honor. Like, yeah. it's, it's very surreal going back to what I said, you know, if you had told me 10 or 15 years ago, I'd be doing this. Yep. You know, it's, yeah, just feel very blessed, very grateful. That's cool. That's cool. Without sounding too cringe. No, <laughs> no it's not cringe, mate. That's not cringe. We're very lucky with what we do and, and, and what we call a career and make a living out of it, yeah, really. absolutely. Yeah, it is pretty cool. Um, what, what's your take on, um, the expectation of the client? So obviously anyone who enters contest prep and, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, they all want to win. Absolutely. At the end of the day, that's what they want to do. That's they what want the to competition get, is. Exactly. They want to get to the top of the podium. Now, not everyone's going to do that. Some people aren't even going to place. Um, so how do you manage expectation through a prep and then the potential disappointment mm-hmm. after the event? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's. It's always making the client understand that you only have control over a certain aspect. Of yep. So you can control, you know, your ability to pose. I always say there's absolutely no excuse to be a bad poser. If yep. you are a bad poser on stage, that's your fault. Mm. That's no one else's fault. And if you lose because you're a bad poser, again, yep. that is your fault. And that would be the feedback they get too, isn't it? Yeah. Of course. And that's yeah. the feedback I'll always give my clients first is, yep. was your pose good enough? Yeah. And if they did everything I told them and practiced for as long as they did, it usually is. Yep. I often have a, I very rarely have a client who gets negative feedback on their posing. Okay. I just, I just refuse to let it happen mm-hmm. because it is probably the one thing you can really truly control. Yeah. You can control your effort, how much effort you put in, how adherent you are to the protocol set out by your coach, but make sure that client understands that you or they cannot control what the judges think. Mm. And just because you place second or third or you don't place, it doesn't mean your physique isn't worthy of winning a show. Yeah. You know, you do that show over 10 times, you might win three. There you go. It just depends on the opinion on the day. Yeah. And it also depends on the federation. Yep. Certain judges have different preferences. Yep. Like, for example, I, when I've judged, when I judge men's physique, I have a very big preference on posing and fluidity mm-hmm. and shape. Okay. Now, of course, conditioning and muscularity are a very large part of it. Mm. But if you really lack any sort of shape, because that's what separates the division from bodybuilding and men's fitness. Big time. If you really lack the shape yep. and someone else has it mm. and the conditioning and muscularity are similar, yep. they're going to win. Mm. So just understanding all those, I guess, variables that are out of your control and still telling the client, like, you know, just because you can't control these things, it doesn't mean you shouldn't, I guess... Approach your nutrition and training without the mentality of wanting to win. Yeah, absolutely. You're allowed to want to win and not crack the shits when you don't. Yep. People are scared to say, I want to win and I'm doing this to win because they're worried that if they don't win, they look like losers. Yeah, absolutely. That's not the case. (laughs) Like, I'm a a coach who's been doing this for a long time and I've competed before and I've had divisions where... I've come fourth or fifth. Yep. I've had divisions where I won. You know, you, you can't always control that stuff. And just because you don't win, it doesn't mean you have to act like a brat. No, exactly. You know? That's that's a very good point. Only one person can win each class. Very po- very good point. And, and, and it's getting very popular. So there's a big lineup. So to, to, to do well, I, I always tell my clients, 
you know, subjective to how the results go on the day, the fact that you're on stage, and, and I always say I'll never put anyone on stage who's not ready. Absolutely. Even, even if they insist to do it. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's our reputation as well. It is. You know, we've got we to gotta save ourselves as well. 100%. You know, the, 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 the prize is getting to stage because it's a fucking hard process. Hey? It is. You it know? is. I, I even, you know, I've had conversations recently with a post I put up a month ago about, mm. you know, bodybuilding, whether it's a sport or not. Yes. And the conclusion I came to was like, look, by definition, maybe it's not a sport. Mm. But by other definitions, maybe it is. Yeah. You know, the... the, the I guess definition of sport is very broad, right? Yes. But no matter which way you want to, you know, go, whether mm. it is or not, it is extremely challenging in its own right, and it presents unique challenges that maybe other athletes in other sports don't have to face. So that's true. It is very, very hard. Yeah. And yeah. just because you don't win, like you said, is a great achievement to get up there and actually look like you belong there. Hundred percent. That's it. You know, when you. When you stand on stage and, and you're competitive, you look good and look, you, you, you're obviously getting considered, you're getting moved around, you might make the podium or not, I suppose that doesn't matter, but when you look back on photos and reflect and you get positive feedback, that that's a win in my book. Absolutely, yeah. and you know, you, there's always going to be other shows as well. 100% like, there is. If you don't win, that, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. Let's, let's find out why. Yeah, use it. And let's improve on it. Don't mm. crack the shits and go like, oh, well, I didn't win, I'm not good enough. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, but you can be. Yeah, absolutely. Just because it didn't happen today doesn't mean it can't happen in 12 months. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, look, you know, without without floating my own boat, I guess I'm a, a perfect example of that. It took absolutely. Me, it took me 30 shows in five years to get to the <laughs> yeah. top of the podium. Yeah. You know, so look, you know, it, it, but that but coming last and then, you know, making the podium on a fifth place and stuff, it just drove me to be better. Sometimes getting your ass kicked is a good thing. It is. It's 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 humbling at the same time. You know, you can learn from your mistakes. You can mm. improve. And and look, the more you do this, the better you get because the more mm. tunnel vision. You know, like I'm in prep right now, as you know, and and this is probably the easiest prep I've done. And yeah. we're over in India, so I've got to yeah. deal with the food and you guys eating butter chicken every night. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not that challenging because I know the end game. I'm 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 clear on my goals, and you know. Um, I'm, I'm happy to do this. I love this sport. It, it, like we said before, it brings up a lot of challenges that you don't face in any other sport or, or in life in general a lot of the times. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, the adversity to overcome that can teach you a lot about yourself as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah. You can really learn how far you can go. So when something challenging in life comes up, you can you can generally, you've got some experience to deal with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I even found that when I prepped for you know both of my seasons I've, I've competed in two separate seasons now yep is you kind of learn like how disciplined you can be and mm. how hard you can work if you actually decide you want to do it yeah if there's something you want to do you will do anything to do it that's right you know what I mean? so, yeah so in regards to the sport itself like we've seen it even in just the last five years it's grown astronomically like I think I've read a stat somewhere across the world, and I don't know how accurate this was, but it was said to be the second fastest growing sport on the planet at that point in time, which didn't surprise me. The the popularity, and, and you've been to a lot of overseas shows yourself, the the numbers that turn up to each and every show at multiple federations, it's pretty pretty full on. Hey? And in Australia, it's just growing Absolutely. huge. Absolutely. I think a lot of it has to do with um, social media. Yes. And we have access to everyone's lives. Mm. And when we see someone who looks good, yep. has a nice physique, yep. um, you know, let's just use X person as an example, mm. and Y person, 
white person posts a photo on Instagram, they look great. Yeah. X person goes, well, how did they do that? Mm. Oh, they started going to the gym and eating better. Cool. Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah. Then they start to look better. And then the next person sees that. And the next person sees that. Eventually, X person goes, well, I've done all this work. My physique's great. Why don't I show it off? Yeah. Then they do bodybuilding. Yep. And then it's just been a snowball effect. You know, the more exposure we have to people who have gone to the gym and improved themselves, the more impressive physiques we've seen come out of the woodwork over time, yep. which means more people are going, well, why don't I do a bloody bodybuilding show? Why don't I show it off? And, yep. you know, and look, there, there are people out there who don't ever want to compete mm. and still train to look good, yep. and they just want to use use Instagram to show off their rig. There's nothing wrong with that. No. But just because we have access to so many more, I guess, people and how they live their lives, it's, it's led to an increase in... I guess the amount of people doing bodybuilding. Absolutely. Which is wild to say, but yeah, it's true. It, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. You're right. It is everywhere. And um, I guess there's there's a much more, and particularly over the last couple of years with the with the COVID lockdowns and all that sort of stuff, there's a lot more emphasis on health and fitness now too. Yeah. People are much more appreciative and aware and they prioritize their health yes. ahead of a lot of other things, mm-hmm. um, which then obviously the trajectory of that can potentially lead to a bodybuilding stage. It seems to be yeah. a very common request now. Yeah. For a lot of people, even if they don't or are unaware of the process involved, they want to. Yeah. They want to learn more. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, I get every time I get an inquiry for someone who doesn't want to compete, the first question they ask is like, "Oh, do, are you okay if I don't compete? Yeah, do you yeah. coach people who don't compete? I get that you know, a lot too. I don't want to compete, but I may want to do it in the future. Yeah, you know. So people who don't want to compete are still thinking about it. Yeah, you know? it's. I guess bodybuilding has infected like human civilization big time in a good way it's a good infection you know i feel like whilst bodybuilding you know say what you want about it you know it it can come with negative health effects and whatnot especially if you you know associate yourself with the wrong coach or whatnot sure i'm not discounting that these things can happen but i think it's led a lot of people to pay more attention to i guess their health Mm. and their fitness and this is you know over time, going to create potentially more longevity. Yeah. Natural bodybuilding. Yes. Yeah. I was about to say, like, there's a bit. There's still obviously a stigma around the sport, and but it's nowhere near what it used to be in the olden days. Mm. You know, where it, it was just thought to be all juiced up gearheads. Yeah. That's it. Now it's it's actually you know the the the, the science that supports it, the research, you know, the approaches we take now. Mm. Health is obviously the priority we, we use when we yeah. we prep someone, and, yeah. and they can do it quite healthy. Come out the other side and. Yep. And, and and the health is not impacted in the slightest. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if I had if I had a kid, and maybe one day I will, mm. you know, if if they came to me and said, like, I want to do bodybuilding, you yep. know, when they're 18, 19 years old, yep. instead of, you know, staying, staying in the house all day and playing video games and stuff, so absolutely, that's 100%. way more healthy. Whilst it has some negative consequences, I guess, in the short term and, yep. and extreme cases the long term, much more healthy than sitting on your ass playing video games all the time and big time adding body fat, body fat over time <laughs> and just eating crap food. So, yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so we we just mentioned before, obviously, you know, approaches from lifestyle clients. You still manage a lot of lifestyle clients or gen pop clients. Um, what's I, I get a lot of. Um, I guess inconsistencies at the start with clients. Like they really struggle with adhering to a, uh, a nutrition plan, training regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of mums, females in particular, struggle to prioritize themselves mm-hmm. in that space. Yep. What's your, um, I guess, advice, guidance around that when you do have to deliver mm-hmm. um, you know, that service to those style yeah. of clients? Well, I mean, let's, let's look at it 
from a bigger picture and say like, you know, someone comes to you and they've never been in a gym before, they've never really, you know, I guess taken taken notice of what they eat or what they mm. should eat or what they shouldn't eat. It's probably because they've spent so much of their life looking after someone else yes. or putting their energy towards someone or something else instead yep. of prioritizing themselves. So sometimes it's a big change for people to go from doing that, say a mum, mm. you know, of, you know, a young child. She spent so many years, you know, thinking for another person, Absolutely. doing everything for another person. So sometimes it's hard for people to let that go yep. and develop habits that, you know, are conducive to helping them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, and sometimes just like, again, if you've got someone like that, just introduce things slowly. Like, you know, I don't need you to train four or five times a week. Maybe that's optimal to get, you know, muscular and lean, but yeah. let's just start slow. And yep. I feel like that's where a lot of trainers and coaches go wrong nowadays is like they read all these studies and they're like, all right, you got to have this much protein. You got to train this many times a day. You got to do cardio this many times a week. Yep. And if it's not optimal, it's not good enough. No. It's like you've got to like water everything down and start from the start yep. and understand that 5% adhered to your plan is better than zero. It's Big better top. than what they were doing. So just accepting and understanding that everyone is going to, I guess, progress at a different rate mm. and respond or, I guess, adhere to different plans. You know, I always say that the best plan that you can have is the one that you can do consistently. Big time. Um, and if you enjoy the plan it's probably something that you're going to be more likely to consistently do. Absolutely. So on that same note, how do you address those that want to see immediate results? Like with with potentially a lack of consistent training or nutrition behind them, you know, they've seen a 12-week challenge here where someone's lost 10 mm -hmm. kilos or, or whatever the case may be, the gym's got an eight-week challenge going on or, you know, their friend's done keto or, or all this other crap that's in the background. How do you address that, that heightened expectation of, of quick results? Yeah, well, I generally just try and paint a picture for everyone. So yep. when I first meet a client and they tell me what they want, mm. I have to show them what it looks like because if you can't show the person what it's going to look like, for example, you go to a builder and you say, I want to build a fucking house. Yeah. they got to come to you with a plan. They're yep. not just going to say, okay, cool, no worries. <laughs> I'll, do, I'll start tomorrow. Here's the address. Come and see it in six months. It'll be built. <laughs> you know, you've got to show that person a blueprint for what, you're, what you can do for them and yep. whether or not they think that's going to work. Yeah. Um, if someone comes to you and says, I want to lose, you know, 10 kilos in 12 weeks, say, okay, can that be done? Sure. But this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. Can you do that? No. Okay. Let's water it down and say like, why don't we lose eight kilos in 20 weeks? Yep. You know, find some middle ground and it goes back to the same thing I said before about contest preps, getting on the same page. Yep. And if that person's, I guess, ability to action a plan yeah. versus what they want, don't align. You have to adjust that plan. You have absolutely. to adjust that timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So communication. You, oh, communication. Communication and, and building that relationship is is paramount to success, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. um you know, if if they're not giving you full transparency about what they're doing, you can only coach what your what the information is presented to you. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um what else was I going to talk about? <laughs> Go on, Mike. We're, do we're doing this very ad hoc today. The spicy food over here. Yeah, <laughs> the spicy food. You like your spicy food, don't you? Yeah, not not a huge um, not a huge spicy food fan, but don't get confused know. between green beans and, uh, oh, and green chilies. Joe, yeah, so Joey made that mistake. Last night I actually ate what I thought was, and I wasn't the only one. No, you weren't. You I weren't. realized quick. <laughs> they looked like like green beans or snow peas. Yeah, you know. 
bit one and didn't think anything of it and just kept eating my food and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> I'd eaten two by this point. And I'm yep. like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> my mouth feels like it's going to fall out. Like, <laughs> and I start to get a bit sweaty. And I'm, like, and I'm just sitting in the corner like, you know, oh. copping it because I've eaten hot things before. Yeah. Right? And I, I know what it's like. I'm like, all right, it'll pass. I'm like, hey, wow, that's got some bite to it. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, inside, I'm like dying. I am struggling. <laughs> anyway, Scotty goes over to the buffet and gets them as well and he shoves four in his mouth, not knowing. Yeah. And yeah, he was struggling. He had tears in his eyes. <laughs> he had water coming out everywhere. Yeah, poor oh. bastard. There's a funny story for you. Absolutely. But if it looks like a green bean and you're in India, just just leave it. Yes. Unless you love really spicy food or just to be in pain. Yeah, you know? 100%. Um, all right, going back to contest prep for a moment. Yeah. Um, in terms of recommendations of federations or recommendations of divisions, do you... Obviously, you'll have your say. Yeah. But does the client come in with a expectation of what they want to look like, and then you have to maybe redirect them? Like, they want to say, "I want to be a fitness model. That looks great." But they just don't have the makeup to make that, so you redirect them to mm-hmm. bikini. Does that happen a lot? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, some people come in and say, "Like, this is what I want to look like." I'm yep. like, "Okay, I understand that, and totally fair." But genetically, your makeup is probably suited better to this. If yep. you want to do this, I'm not telling you you can't. Yep. But if you want to compete and do well, this is probably the direction you have to go. Yes. And that's not to say you won't have a great physique. Mm. It's just that your physique will be a little bit different to what you thought yes. you, you want to look like. You, mm. know what I mean? um, you know, I'd love to look like you know, like Chris Bumstead. I think we all would. <laughs> oh, I think so. But, I mean, naturally, that's just... That's not going to happen. No. And we don't have the same bone structure, you know? So you've got to, you've got to try and, you know, get that person to adjust, yeah. I guess, their expectations based on the reality of the situation. Yeah. You know, I get girls come to me all the time and say, I want to look like this girl and I want to look like that girl. I'm like, yeah. all right, you know, let's steady on there, Buckaroo. Like, we need, to, <laughs> we need to first paint the picture and see what that's going to look like yep. and whether or not that's actually achievable. And that's not to say you can't build a physique that's as impressive as that person. Yeah. But... Take some Wanting time. to look like someone is you're just setting yourself up for failure. And I guess when it pertains to contest prep, a lot of people have a division that they're going to be best suited to, yes. no matter how much muscle they build, mm. no matter how much fat they lose. Some girls are always going to be bikini girls. Yeah. They just don't have the genetics to build a ton of muscle. Yep. And they have great shapes, tiny waist, yep. you know, like narrow hips. Perfect. Yeah. Um, muscle insertions are a big one as well. Like, yep. you know, some guys they may have terrible inserting lats. Mm. They're probably not going to make a good bodybuilder or men's physique competitor. There you Maybe go. they have to do fitness. Yep. Um, you know, long arms. Yeah. You're probably always going to struggle. It doesn't mean you can't look good, mm. but from a bodybuilding criteria, you got long legs or long arms. You're going to struggle to have enough mass to fill those. those oh, I know that out. problem. Yeah, you're, you're quite a long dude. You know? <laughs> uh, but that, and, that, but that, you don't let that stop you. You know, no, I've oh, seen absolutely. you do physique and I've seen you win shows. I I, I remember when I watched you. Oh, when was it? It was ICN Nationals. I want to say it was it was in Sydney. Oh, Sydney, yeah, yeah, Sydney Nationals. 18, 19. 19. Yeah, yeah. And I remember seeing you on stage. I'm like, man, like. I got smoked that year, uh, that in that show actually. But, but you looked yeah. so good. Like yeah. condition was on point, and like, yeah, you have long arms and long legs, but yeah. you're in men's physique, and some of the some of your poses, especially from the side, just like incredible. So whilst you might not have the most ideal genetic makeup no for, for for a physique competitor yeah you can still look fantastic <laughs> and you can still do well like i said you're a pro yeah yeah well that i mean that's a good point like and again i'll use myself as an example like in that particular show i got mm. i got out muscled 
on every lineup, you know. And the, that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. The boys were bigger, and so be it. There's nothing I could do about that. <laughs> no. You know, there's not a lot I could do about that. You know, I'm 44. I'm not going to put on too much more muscle. Should have bought a baseball bat and taken some <laughs> Backstage, just give yeah, a couple of nudges. Yeah, that guy's look, looks good. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm very accepting of that. I, I, I will never be the biggest on stage, I'm, and I'm well and truly um, accepting of that, but I, I know my condition brings competitiveness. Exactly. So I'm prepared to obviously push that boundary. Um, and, and we've been, you know, going over your posing as well and optimizing yeah. that too, and that's that's that, something that you can improve too. And big time. It can make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you, you make a fair point. Like some some people, and my, my wife's a perfect example, you know, she, she's got the long legs and the slender body for bikini. Yeah. You know, Early on, when we knew nothing about the sport and we were dabbling in it for the first time, you know, she had some aspirations to step up in divisions. But once she competed and realised, and we got more educated, mm-hmm. she went, "No, nah, bikini's my go." Yeah, and she'll always be a bikini athlete, mm-hmm. and that's just how it is. And and she will, you know, next time she yeah. steps up, hopefully she'll she'll do really well. Yeah, and I um, want to say as well, like that's not to for people listening. That's yeah. not to say that you should just pigeon your pigeon no, 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 no. I know guys who are incredibly well suited to men's fitness. Yep. And then two years later, eventually step up to men's physique yep. and win overall shows. I had a guy called Adam. Mm. I'm sure he'll probably listen to this at some point. Um, I helped him turn pro in late 2017. And then three years later, <clears throat> he went away and he's like, love that I won my fitness pro card. Love it. So happy. But this is not what I want to do. Okay. I want to be a men's physique guy. I said, Cool. Just because you're very well made up for men's fitness doesn't mean you can't get big enough to no. do physique. And we know you can get shredded. This kid was peeled. Yeah, well. Back to front, inside out. He was yeah. see-through. But he went away for three years. Yeah. Put on the necessary muscle, came back, uh, won an overall title. Yeah. Actually, two over, overall titles back-to-back against another one of my competitors who was also extremely impressive. <laughs> he was splitting hairs, and that was so hard. Oh, proud um, dad moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then he went to nationals, and he was probably oh, a point away from winning his pro card. He yeah, came well. second to the guy who won won the overall in the pro card, okay. actually. Yep. Um, and he, you know, he was a placing away from being the best physique competitor in the country yeah, well. that season. How good. So just because you're suited to one thing, don't always just pigeonhole yourself into no. it. You know, you can still move up. Mm. Um, it can happen. But that's a that's a really good example just use because that guy he knew what he wanted. He went away mm. three years. Yep. He spent obviously developing his physique, and I'm assuming you know he was in the gym five six days a week, yep. ate relatively on point the whole Lots time. And you know, people don't realise that you know as much as our enhanced counterparts have a, a distinct advantage in terms of the acceleration of their muscle growth. As natural athletes, it takes time. It does. You've got to put you, you know, your feet under the desk and work hard for what well, mm-hmm. he did for effectively three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the difference was in terms of muscle mass or anything like that, but probably six or seven kilos. There you go. There and you go. Like you hear people gaining, you know, one or two kilos of muscles a year. Yeah. And that, that doesn't sound like a lot, but for a natural competitor, that's it is. good. But you times that by three. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, like if you haven't seen it. Like, if you look at someone, you know, three years before they got on stage mm. and they only added five or six kilos of lean mass, they probably look like they've put on 10. Yeah. Like, yeah. it goes a long way. Yep. And it's not just weight or size. There's obviously density, thickness to consider as well, hey? Yeah. And, yeah. and in the right parts, too. Yeah. Like you might say, all right, you know, men's physique competitor, they went away and put on six kilos of muscle in three years. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. But... 
five of that six kilos was in their upper body. Yeah. So they're going to look even better. There you, you know, go. They still trained legs, but you don't yeah. have to prioritize the legs in men's physique. That's so, right. You know, and that comes down to specificity as well. You know, you've got mm. to train for your division. That's it. So, so how, how, that's a good point. So how important is... That's tri- it. Don't get me wrong. If your men's physique, still train your legs. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, your you know, muscle helps. I'm doing them twice a week as much as I hate them, but I know, but, you know, there's obviously a, a, a perception out there that, you know, guys that want to look good, they don't need to train their legs. And we obviously make jokes about guys who don't train mm-hmm. their legs because they've got no legs. And look, I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. My yeah, wheels yeah, aren't yeah. exactly I the can't biggest. Talk. <laughs> but um, the importance of training legs, because it does help develop your upper body too, doesn't it? Your core strength in particular, the development of your abdominal area. It does. You know, yeah. like, People always say, you know, a, a deadlift, for example, yeah. helps build a big, thick back. Yep. You want to get a bigger deadlift? Yep. Train your legs because that's where it starts. Yep, 100%. So, and just having more muscle on you in general will allow for a larger metabolic rate, mm. which will likely make it easier to lose more fat. And then on the counter side of that too, with a larger metabolic rate, you can eat more food too. Exactly. Yes, exactly. which which is always a, a we benefit. We all love that. We do love that, absolutely. And yeah, he, he actually his calories didn't get near as low. Like yeah, okay. By the end of his prep, he was on five five hundred to seven hundred more calories in the back end. See, and that's the thing. That, that another thing, if you do back to back seasons, or not necessarily back to back as in time frame, but mm-hmm. you, you go and compete again after mm-hmm. a, you know a period of time off. Yeah. The the nutrition side of things can be so much more favourable. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're not down ridiculously low where you're hung, waking up hungry. You know, your, your stomach's growling in the middle of the night. You're it's it's comfortable. Yeah, it's manageable. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, we all still have lives. We've got to leave. We've got families, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doing the time in the off season plays a significant role, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And yeah. that's not to say you can't compete every year. You know, some people have found their division. Like you see those IFBB bikini girls. Yeah. They compete all year yep. because they've found their division. They don't need to put on any more muscle. That's right. They just need to sometimes alter their look slightly or come in a little bit leaner, mm. a little bit fuller, a little yep. bit softer. So if, you're, if you've found your division and you don't need to improve or you don't want to improve, yeah. sure, if you want to compete every year, yep. compete every year, be my guest. But if, you're, if you want to improve, say you come third yeah. or fourth or fifth or whatever, you don't win, right? Mm. And you want to make it undeniable that you come first, don't compete next year. Yeah. Don't even compete the year after that. Compete in, you know, maybe two or three years. You exactly. Know what I mean? Give yourself some time. Yeah. Yeah. You need you need time to improve, especially if you're a natural athlete. Mm. It takes time to put on muscle. And it does. Even, you know, people competing 12 months apart, say they compete season B 2022. Yeah. And they compete season B 2023. Will you put on any muscle? Yeah, sure. But you got to remember that it's going to take your body eight to 10 weeks at least mm. To get in a position where it's going to put on muscle. Right? That's right. So you got two months there straight off the bat. Best yep. case scenario. You've lost two months of potential gain yep. because you had to recover. Then take out six months for a prep. Mm. Six plus two is eight. Yep. It's 12 months in a year. you got four months of gaining. Yeah, it's not a lot. That's not much. No, it's not a lot. That might be half a kilo of muscle. Yeah, exactly. It's not a lot. Exactly. So, you know, you, you get the enthusiastic first time. It goes, oh, I'm going to go again next season, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, no, no, whoa, 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 just let's get through this season. Let's yeah. get you out the other side and then we'll come up with yeah. a game plan, you know, just yeah. just chill. I, I appreciate the enthusiasm. Yeah, but yeah. It's easy to get excited after is. a show too. You yeah, know? of course like, it is. You like, had such a good time. Yeah. Like, most people do this. Yeah, absolutely. And they're like, yeah, I'm coming back next season. I'm taking what's mine. It's like, <laughs> brother, like... You come back next season, that still ain't yours. Like, you know, you, you got to do your time. Um, you look at the best natural bodybuilders in the world, yeah. and they've been going for years. Like, 
they are in their 40s, 50s. I've even seen some in- incredible bodybuilders in their 60s. Absolutely. They live and breathe the sport, yeah. Um, all right, let's let's we'll get close to winding up, but I want to ask you one more question. Now, your and and I'm hoping this is okay. Your partner Lisa is obviously very successful in this space. Yes, uh, she's won numerous world titles. She's uh, professional in ICN and WNBF. Is that correct? ICN, AWNBS, yep, WNBF. Yep. Yes. So there you go. So talk to me about that relationship into because you're coaching her obviously, yeah. and you've yeah. coached her to these titles. So how you know how does that work? Because I would never coach my wife. I, I, <laughs> I've handed her over to you already. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think I could do it. You know, and that, but that's her personality. She's very strong-minded. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So how, how, how do you find that? Is it, is it comfortable to give her direction, clarity, she's accepting of it, or does she bite back on instances? So hang on a second. You know? yeah. yeah, so the advantage that we have in our relationship as it pertains to me being able to prep her is we actually work together as coach and client for... Maybe, I think it was about 18 months before we actually decided to get into a relationship. Sure. Actually, it may, may have been longer. maybe may have been two and a half years. Two, okay. two and a half years. Yep. So, we'd had a lot of success together as a coaching client before we decided to enter a, ro- a romantic relationship, <laughs> right? Not a coach-client relationship. Sure. Something more. Yep. Um, so, and I, I said to her, I was like, I'm happy to still coach you. And obviously, she wanted me to coach her yep. because we fit very well, you know, like, she likes the attention to detail I give. Yep. She likes the way I communicate. Yep. And I like how hard she works and I like how well she listens. Yep. Um, and I said to her, if, I, if I'm going to keep coaching you, you need to understand that sometimes I'm going to change hats. I'm okay. going to put my coach hat on. Yep. I'm going to put my boyfriend hat on. Yep. There's a time to be comforting and being caring yep. and sympathetic. Yes. And then there's a time to say, hey, pull your socks up. <laughs> you know, this is what's got to happen. Yeah. And... She, she's very eager to learn. Like, she's super hungry for knowledge. So she always asks questions. That's a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But sometimes it can come across as her questioning me. Because right. now she's my girlfriend. Yeah. She's comfortable with that. She's like, well, are you sure? <laughs> I say, hey, I say, hey you, you trusted me three years ago. Yeah. Keep trusting me. <laughs> you know, like, I, I'm with you all the time. Yeah. I know that, you know, you're doing everything right. So... It's just understanding and, and, you know, having good communication between each other and mm. understanding that sometimes the communication is going to be different. Yeah. And that, that that is a little bit hard for her sometimes because sometimes she just needs her boyfriend. Yes. But sometimes i got to be coach. Absolutely. And we I think we do a pretty good job of doing that. Yeah. You know, like she'll, you know, have a great drop and she'll be, she'll be super excited and she'll be like, oh, like, are you proud of me? You know, I'm like... Yep, we're doing well. And she'd be like, well, like, you know, would have been nice to get a bit more from you. Like, well, as your coach, you're doing well. We still have a lot of work to do. Yep. Um, you know, you need to do this better. You need to do that better. Yep. Um, but, you know, like, you got to take that hat off sometimes and put your boyfriend hat on and yep. give some love. And So, yeah, it, it's a bit of a tightrope, but I think we do a pretty good job of it. I was going to say. And I, but I understand why some people can't do it. Yeah, absolutely. It would be hard. And, and I've... Previous to that, I, I had dated someone who competed as well. Yep. And I didn't coach her until like her last season. Okay. And she had a coach before that because, you know, I wasn't sure how it would work. Mm. It worked pretty well when we worked together, but we did come we did come to blows a bit more than, you know, this current relationship. So yeah. I understand why people can't do it, mm. but for myself and Lisa, 
um, it works pretty well. Okay, that's good. Yeah, because yeah. it is a rarity. Like I said, I, I don't think I could coach Monty. She's asked me. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And I just, and I, I think it comes down to the individual too, like their personality. Like she's, sure. she's, yeah, she's very strong in her opinion. She's very strong in the way Sometimes she presents herself. Sometimes you just herself. need an outsider to. And I think that it, I don't know if I'd be impartial enough mm-hmm. to do it as well. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, divide the boyfriend or the husband against the coach, you yeah. know, and have a clear differentiation mm. between the two well i mean you've got kids right yeah so when you tell your kid to do something mm. they're sometimes gonna say no shut up dad you know, <laughs> shit. get someone else's dad to say it and yeah gonna, yes sir yeah 100 so right. sometimes some people just need that outside source and yeah. adults in my opinion they're not much different to kids yeah it's true they just have a bigger knowledge base but they still carry on and act like kids yep. from time to time absolutely so, yeah yeah good point good point all right, mate, that was cool. Let's wind up because I think we're going to have to head off soon. We've got uh, – it's bump out day. Yes, at, uh, yes, we've got a at, show to plan. Yeah, we've got a show to plan, which starts tomorrow, so it's very exciting. But um, I'm going to give you a question without notice because I end all my podcasts on the same question with a guest, and that this is – This would be good. Yeah, who, who would you have over the dinner? So I, I'm, I'm guessing that this is going to be an NBA star, but okay. I'll leave you to it. Um, so it can be dead or alive, male, female, yeah. fictional, non-fictional mm-hmm. – it's generally a, more of a personality question to see, yeah. you know, who to sit down to, have a good conversation, yeah. a meal with. Actually, it's it's I've I've received this question before. Okay. Um, and it's not who most people would think. Most people would think that it would be LeBron James or sure. Michael Jordan. Yep. You know, two of my favorite, you know, athletes of all time. Of course. It would actually. This man has currently passed away. Um, was a very sad day. Yeah. Stephen Hawking. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I loved everything about that man, like not just his brain, but what he had to go through. And what he had to go through was no fault of his own. You know, yeah. He got motor neuron disease when he was young. Yep. <clears throat> he said, well, I was still put on this earth to, you know, do something and contribute to society in a certain way. And he, he ended up being one of the, you know, you could say he's arguably the biggest contributor to, you know, scientific research in his field. Mm to ever exist yeah. as it stands right now. And he used to use one tiny little muscle in the corner of his eye yeah. to write books. How's that? <laughs> like, <laughs> if, you, if you don't know a lot about Stephen Hawking, I suggest you um, watch his movie. Yeah, the uh, Life is... No, what's it called? Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. I've watched it yeah. so many bloody times. The dude who played him won an Oscar. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was very good. Yeah. Um, Eddie Redman. Eddie Redman, that's it, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I urge you to watch that, and I also urge theory you to, of everything. The theory of everything. That's, that's the one. Yeah, it just came to me. Urge you to watch that, and I also urge you to just do a bit of research on him, and mm. maybe watch some YouTube videos of what it was actually like. Um, the movie did a great job yep. of portraying what it what it was, because I've done a lot of research on him, and it's, yep. it's pretty accurate. You know what he had to go through, and what he was still able to achieve, and yep. I just I admire that about. A person so much absolutely like and that gives you a lot of perspective too yeah yeah no. absolutely like, like if if he can do that like 100%. What, what what are we capable of oh. you know what i mean there's there's no limit i um on the flight over i watched the movie about the williams sisters that King oh, richard great movie it's a brilliant movie like yeah. will smith did such a good job but obviously he was portrayed on their father and mm-hmm. god he loved those girls and he had a 78 page plan in place before they were even born to he turn did. them into tennis stars and that and he said to them when they were young you know, Serena, you're going to be the greatest of all time, and Venus, you're going to be number one in the world. And they yeah. delivered because of his passion. Yeah. It was incredible. But they lived, in, you know, in this tiny little house. They had five doors that lived in one bedroom. Yeah. They had no money. You know, yeah. he, it was just, yeah, definitely another movie worth seeing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like, really, really good film. Yeah. So, all right, thanks, mate. No that worries. was cool. 
Oh, that was good. cool. All right, let's go and set up. Uh, let's go set up a show. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much to Joey for giving up his time uh, while we're over here in India. We've got plenty going on, but uh, it was great to have a chat and pick the brains of one of the uh, foremost experts in uh, contest prep at the moment. So, if you've enjoyed that podcast, please screenshot and share it across your stories. Tag myself at Paul's Body Engineering, and of course, tag Joey at Joey Cantland PT. And if you're interested in any of my coaching services, please jump on paulsbodyengineering.com. And as I say to every client, every single day from India, have a great day.